Danny the intern and Kat the intern are here this Sunday. That's pretty cool. Danny, he's a, Danny, would you stand up and would everybody notice how much he looks like Tommy Dewey? No joke though, right? So, yes, and, and that's his wife and she's freaking out. So Tommy got called into work, uh, which stinks because I was going to have them like serve communion next to each other. You know, and it would have been very... Um, do I see Brown's apparel? I love Optimus. You guys are just so cute. That's, you know, and I, I don't understand football at all, but evidently some Browns player did something really offensive and like left or something. Did that happen? Did he go play for somebody else? The Raiders. His last name is Brown. So that, you know what I mean? I know some things. I know the Bible better, so that's more important to my job. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. Uh, two things real quick. Um, the first is uh, one of the ways that we want to move toward growing as a church. So a church is both a trellis and a vine, okay? And what we aim for as a church is vine growth, gospel growth, lives change. But you need a trellis to support a good vine. And so one of the trellises that we're building is uh, using an app called Planting Cent- Planning Center and Church Center, uh, my message is going to be pretty boring today, so if at some point you need an activity, you could go onto the app store in your phone and download the, the Church Center app and follow the prompts to find our church and all that kind of stuff. One of the main reasons we're doing that this fall is it'll have all of the information about circles within the app, so you can find a circle, click to join, the leaders will be able to communicate with you, that'll be super cool. Um, you can do that and it might merge into some other things uh, perhaps even giving, but we'll see what's going on there. Uh, so download that app at some point. I don't know the Wi-Fi password, and if we all get on it, it'll crash anyway. So either use your data or do it at home. That sounds like a personal decision. So it's between you and the Lord. Uh, the other thing, yeah, do seriously start thinking about being in a circle. So we'll have one here on Thursday nights, one in Howland on Wednesday nights, and one in Cortland on Tuesday nights. And it doesn't matter how old or how... Kathy Britt, the most mom thing I've ever heard you say is, we're, not, we're the more mature group, but we're still pretty cool, is the most mom thing I've ever heard you say. I love you so much. Um, so we're here, and we're going to do that. So think about doing that. Uh, and the way that circles work this year is it's like nine weeks. So there's a way in and a way out. It's not like you're getting this group and be like, oh, am I stuck with these people like all year? Nine weeks in and out. And uh, all that information is in the Planning Center app, and Steph will be at the back after worship. Um, this is Aaron Jesse last Sunday with us before he moves to the city called Oklahoma, and so we'll pray for him at the end of, yeah, boo, yeah. And uh, Jack is booing the loudest. Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Next week, we're going to get in the book of Colossians. We usually Netflix binge a book of the Bible. Uh, I have clicked my button. Uh, so we'll binge watch Colossians together next weekend, starting next weekend for about six weeks. Um, but for now, I kind of wanted just to talk a little bit about a more specific topic called spiritual gifts. And, and this is a hard sermon to preach, because if you have ever been taught on spiritual gifts, there's a little tiny part of you that is like, okay, cue the eye roll. How do I get out of this? This is boring. I know this. Let's move on. But there's a lot of people in our community that are following Jesus for the first time and uh, or following Jesus kind of refreshed and renewed for the first time and have no idea what this is. And it's a super important category for what it means to follow Jesus. And so I really 
want us to be attentive to it. So if this is something that you feel like you know, do me a favor and give me the chance to see if I can articulate some of this in a way that you've not heard before. If this is new to you, I'm really excited to expose you to what it looks like to be a part of the body of Christ. And this morning, I want to start off really with just, here's the bottom line. So you can pay attention to this first slide, and then you can go download Church Center, take your nap, do whatever you need to do. Um, The first thing I, I want to tell you is that when you say yes to Jesus personally, when you personally step across the line of faith, you became, in that moment, part of Jesus' body, which is the church. Um, making a decision to follow Jesus is really profoundly personal, and it is. It's, uh, I think, a great uh, emphasis in uh, Christianity's cultural moment for about the last 150 years is that every person needs to make a personal decision. But that leads us to believe that once I've made that personal decision by myself, I'm good and I'm done. But the reality of the New Testament is, the reality of the universe is, that the minute you say yes to Jesus, you are grafted into his body. And when the New Testament talks about the body of Christ, it's not saying that the church is like a body. It's saying that the church is Christ's body on earth. In other words, if Jesus is to move toward the hurt and brokenness of our city, if Jesus is to move toward the hurt and brokenness in our world, he is going to use the only hands and feet available to him, which is you and I. It's you and I. Augustine has this great quote, um, without us, he won't. Without him, we can't. Without us, he won't. Without him, we can't. You became part of the body of Christ, and your participation in the body of Christ, participating in the body of Christ, is using your spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts are abilities given, uh, given to us by the Holy Spirit as soon as we say yes to Jesus. Every single person who says yes to Jesus is given a spiritual gift. Sometimes they're given more than one. Sometimes those gifts change in seasons. You might have a gift at this time in your life. You get older or more mature, and God gives you a different kind of set of gifts. All gifts are worthy of honor. All gifts are absolutely necessary toward us having a healthy body, which is the third thing I want to tell you, that using your gifts makes our whole community healthier. Using your gifts makes our whole community healthier. It edifies, is a biblical word, it edifies, it builds up our body, it makes it stronger so that we can accomplish our mission in the world. We are here for the renewal of our city. We are here to join Jesus in making all things new. Uh, We can't just, as a church, stare at our navels and call that good. We are here to make a difference and make an impact outside outside of these walls. And that's what I don't often like when we talk about spiritual gifts, is it becomes a very in thing. And it is a very in thing, but it has very much out ramifications. It means something to the world. And so what I want you to hear today is that you are part of the body of Christ, that your participation in the body of Christ is through the use of your spiritual gifts, that everyone has a gift, and using those gifts makes our community stronger and makes the mission more able to be accomplished. And I want to look through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to be reading out of the message, so if you would like to, you could pull out your phone and Google like 1 Corinthians 12 message. Uh, There's a lot more words than in the Bibles in front of you. There's going to be some of them on the screen. Might be helpful to you. If not, that's okay. But Paul begins, and by the way, this is going to be a little off, so I'm going to be dragging it around. But Paul begins in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In the message, he says in verse 1, What I want to talk about now is the various ways God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. 
This is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. Paul is writing this church. It's a church in Corinth, and uh, boy, are they a hot mess. They have some significant problems. They are majorly divided. They've even like broken into teams. Like I'm on Peter's team. I'm on Paul's team. The hyperspirits are like, well, I'm on Jesus's team. Okay, you can leave, right? And um, there's this dude that's having like that's like sleeping with his stepmom. That's gross. And uh, it's there in First Corinthians five. Paul says, kick that guy out of the church because that's weird and is not good for the name of Jesus. Um, Uh, then you have all of these people that have just recently come to know Jesus. It's a community a lot like ours. They've just come to know Jesus after spending their lives worshiping in pagan temples where they used spiritual gifts that were almost like knockoff spiritual gifts in worship. And they're bringing those kind of knockoff spiritual gifts into the worship of Jesus. And it's just been chaos in the community. I mean, it is a hot mess. And so Paul in 1 Corinthians is, is, is trying to bring order and correction and kind of grab all these factions together. And he says that there's something that they are misunderstanding, which is not hard to do. He said this idea of spiritual gifts is complex and misunderstood. So you might think you know this. Again, I want to invite you to take a second look because Paul is even saying this is complex and often misunderstood. You might be learning this for the first time, pay attention. It's complex. It's often misunderstood. But Paul's desire is my desire. I want you to be informed. I want you to be knowledgeable. I want you to see, Paul wants us to see the way that God's spirit gets worked into our lives. I know you want that, and I know I want that. I don't want to miss out on one of the ways that God wants to show up in my life. I don't want to miss out on one of the ways that God wants to be present to me. I don't want to miss out on growing into Jesus because I've kind of skipped a lesson here. I want us to see how the Spirit is worked into our lives. And Paul says the Spirit is worked in our lives by the use of our spiritual gifts. And so in verse 4, he says this. God's various gifts. Oh, I have this on the screen. I didn't set this up right, so I get to do some draggy drag. It's fun. Look at that. Everybody say, ooh, you know, and that nice. Oh, it'll catch up, maybe. Ooh, there it is. Okay. Very professional here at Regen. God's various gifts, verse 4. How many gifts? Various. We're going to be interactive today, so get comfortable. Here we go. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries. Whose ministries? God's. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind them all. He's trying to help them see that despite the great diversity of gifts, there's a unity in their source and in their origin and in their giving. Then he says something crazy. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Each person is given something to do That shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. He makes a list. I'm going to skip that list for now. And then he says, all these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by the Spirit of God. He decides who gets what when. He's trying to help us see the unity behind the gifts, the unity of God's work in the midst of the diversity. But I don't want you to miss just a couple of these pieces They're sourced in the Spirit, God's behind all of it, but he says each person, each person is given something to do that shows who God is. This means each and every single one of you that have placed your faith in Jesus are filled with the Spirit. Your spiritual gifts 
poured through your life experience and your personality uniquely reveals to me and to our community something about who God is. You alone can do this. We could put five people with the gift of teaching up here and they would each uniquely show us something about who God is. We could put five people up here with the gift of mercy and it would uniquely show us something about who God is. Where are my kids that grew up in Sunday school at? Where are you at? Okay, remember this song, Hide It Under a Bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. See, what we do is, and what you're doing, if you're not using your spiritual gifts in our body right now, why are you hiding from me and hiding from your brothers and sisters this unique way that God expresses himself through you? I'm not seeing something. There's something that God wants me to know about him that only you can teach me. And when you're hiding it under a bushel, I don't see that. This is crazy to me. We're not just talking about, all right, everybody, it's time for you to do your chores, right? What we're talking about is you and I have this awesome opportunity to show each other what God is like. Paul says that when everyone uses their gift, when you use our gift, everyone benefits. If you're doing ministry, only a few people benefit, that's not a spiritual gift. Everyone is blessed. Everyone gets a gift. Paul says that they have a common origin. Paul says it's up to the Spirit of God to decide what your gifts are. And I think this idea at the end when he says he decides who gets what gifts when indicates that there will be certain seasons that God mixes up. The Holy Spirit mixes up your gift set. A good friend of mine, my youth pastor growing up, discovered that after leading missions trips to Africa and starting a nonprofit in Africa, that all of a sudden he had a gift of mercy that he had never had before then. He had a gift of mercy that he had never had before then. Um, We'll get into this again in a second, but about three years ago, I started praying in tongues. That is not a gift I had prior to that. Sometimes, at certain points in your life, God is going to mix up your gift set because he wants us to be well-rounded. All of us that, like, grew up in high school in the early aughts remember this. Like, you got to play a sport and be in the arts and have good community service and have this so that your college applications are well-rounded. Jesus wants us to be well-rounded and mature in all things. And so he mixes up our gifts by the Holy Spirit at certain seasons, Um, which is why some of you have come to our church after being able to use your gift in this one way at another community, and it's not being used here, and you're like, what is the deal? It's because God wants to mature you with a new set of gifts in this season right now. So Paul lists here in 1 Corinthians 12 some spiritual gifts, some lists. There's a couple of these lists in the New Testament. And uh, let me blow them up as big as I can. Nice. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians 12, there's this list. And I don't want to just blow by them because some of us don't know what these these, these gifts are. But Paul lists... Gifts that are actually a little bit more miraculous. Um, Gifts that are a little more like, ooh, kind of associated. Um, But there's the gift of wisdom. Somebody with the gift of wisdom just gets things. You go to them and they just understand your situation and they know how to get you through it. They just have a gift of wisdom. Somebody with the gift of knowledge is just going to know things about you or situations that nobody's told them. Hang out with Art Cooper for too long. He's going to know stuff about you that you didn't tell him. Okay? So, freaky. Um... It's great, though. You're not freaky. The gift is. Uh, Some people have the gift of faith. The gift of faith are the optimists in the room. I think most Browns fans actually have the gift of faith. (laughs) They keep believing when everybody else has given up. Some people have the gift of healing, the gift of miracles. Prophecy is less, um, thus saith the Lord, and it's less like, here's what's going to happen in the future, although that can be. 
it's usually more seeing in, some, seeing in someone something that they don't see about themselves. It's calling out what is good. It's speaking life over someone. Gift of prophecy. Discernment of spirits. Is this from God or is this from somewhere else? Tongues. First Peter in Acts 2, people stand up and start speaking this language that nobody can understand except people in their own language groups. In the church in Corinth, people would stand up and kind of utter this message out that did not sound like a language we understood, but then somebody else has the gift of interpretation of tongues to stand up and say, here's what that means. If somebody stands up and offers some tongues and nobody stands up to say, this is what that means, the other person needs to sit down and think about what they did for a minute. You know what I mean? And um, In my notes around this section, I have the words, come out of the closet. Um, I've already mentioned, I, I've been praying in tongues now for about three years. Um, it's just a me thing. Um, I have from time to time been given a word of prophecy for someone or a word of knowledge for someone. Actually, on Friday morning when I was at my seminary class, I go to seminary, I'm getting another master's degree because I really just don't have enough to do with my time. And uh, I go to a charismatic United Methodist seminary. So we've seen people slain in the spirit at chapel and all this kind of crazy stuff in chapel. Um, healing, I have been, I am praying that by the time I turn 40, God gives me the opportunity to pray for someone and they are healed in front of me. I'm giving it till 40 so that we have a, like a long time to run up to it. You know what I mean? Because I'm nervous about it. Um, in January, I'll leave you for about 10 days and go to Cuba where there is a very charismatic Methodist church that has sprung up. And uh, we, I was just with a friend who did this trip just a few months ago now or nine months ago now and said, yeah, we saw a guy come to church blind and leave and he could see, you know. I, would, I, I, here, I don't want to freak you out. I just want to say, if I see Jesus doing something and Jesus says, I will do greater works than he does, he says that in John, I want to assume that I can participate in that. It's my assumption. Uh, there's this list in Romans 12, prophecy again, service. I mean, some people are just like annoyingly helpful. Usually those are the people with the gift of service. Um, teaching, some people can teach and be really clear. Gift of encouragement or exhortation. Encouragement is the hug. Exhortation is the smack on the butt. Um, giving. People just really want to give. Leadership, mercy. There's some other gifts in the New Testament. Hospitality, preaching, apostleship, administration, kind of giving order. I do not have the gift of administration. Not if my life depended on it. Um, visions, dreams, um, evangelism, pastoring people, caring for them. Um, a few things about this really fast. You'll notice some things here that are both a gift and a command. Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. So you can't say, I don't have the gift of evangelism, I don't need to share my faith. You can't say, I don't have the gift of giving, so I don't need to give. No, scripture says, give generously when asked. Um, hospitality, everybody is commanded to show hospitality to strangers, to open our homes, even if they're clean or dirty or whatever. Um, Everybody is called to serve one another. Everybody is called to encourage one another. But some of us are more uniquely gifted at that. We're more fruitful at it. It's more of a blessing to people than others. You have a gift. You might have some of these gifts that when filtered through your personality reveal to, something, reveal to us and to me something about who God is. Is God a God of knowledge? Yes, is God a gracious host? Does he extend hospitality to me? Yes, you know why? He made a planet for me to live on and called it very good. He's a very good host. Um, is God merciful to me? Oh boy, is he. 
right? These are attributes of who God is poured through our personality. And all of these gifts, Paul says, I'm just going to take you really quick through the rest of the chapter. Paul is going to start kind of talking about the unity and the diversity of the body, and it's going to feel like you're watching a tennis match, okay? Because he's going to be talking about this, and then he's going to be talking about this. So he's going to be talking about unity and diversity, and unity and diversity, and, and unity and diversity, back and forth in a kind of way that makes you a little crazy. But Paul's trying to help us understand some stuff. So first he says this in verse 12. You can see easily enough how this kind of thing works, all of these gifts together, handed out with spirit. You can easily see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Okay. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells. But no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. This is really important, and I'm going to have us post this on social media. Y'all need to reflect on this passage. I need to reflect on this. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. See, we used to be partial and piecemeal and kind of individuals, and we didn't need a community to tell us what to do. But then Paul goes on to say, this is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. When you were baptized, it wasn't just like, oh, I got a t-shirt and I got wet, and that was really cool. No. When you were baptized, you declared that you no longer call your own shots, that you now primarily belong not to yourself but to a community whose lordship is Jesus. He says, we have said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We used to independently call our own shots, but when we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. Well, what about this theology? No, he has the final say. What about sexuality? No, he has the final say. No, what about my body image? No, he has the final say. What about my anxiety? No, he has the final say. What about, what about this part of me? No, he has the final say. What about my infertility? He has the final say. What about my wealth? He has the final say. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit where we all come to drink. That's what we do when we gather for worship. We're coming to drink. The old labels we used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, Steelers fan, Browns fan, are no longer useful. He says they're no longer useful because we need something larger, more comprehensive. We have been brought in our giftedness and in their stories and in our thinking into the unity of the body of Christ. But unity is not uniformity. He goes on to say, I want you to think about how all of this makes you more significant, not less. So what we worry about, I'm going to become part of this body. Am I going to lose my identity? Am I going to lose what makes me special? No, he says it actually makes you more significant because a body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. Think about this. I have many parts of my body. They are similar yet different, and put together, they make me who I am. I am not just a giant hand. I am not just a giant foot. He says, if foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, would that make it so? No. 
If you're said, I'm not beautiful like I, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the whole body was an eye, how could it hear? If all an ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. See, here in our community, God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wants it, and we need each individual gift in operation with all the other gifts for us to be a healthy body. See, what Paul is saying here is that no one gift is more important than others, despite the fact that the church for the last 150 years has ridden on the back of the pastor-teacher, the upfront person, the pastor-teacher gift is not any more important than the other gifts. In fact, we need the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers working together so that we can be fully functional. It's not my gift of teaching and preaching. Uh, it's not... Um, it's it's not Julia's gift of singing and kind of speaking over us some things. It's not Jairus' gift of just really seeing people. It's not Art's gift of knowing things about us. It's not Kathy's gift of hospitality. Uh, It's not Caitlin's gift of hospitality. It's not these things. Like, none of these gifts are more important than any other. And I would also add, by the way, you are not allowed to disqualify yourself or shame yourself for having the gifts that you have. Well, I'm not like Kyle. I don't have this gift. I'm not like Steph. I don't have that gift. I'm not like Jess. I don't have this gift. See, we spend way too much freaking out about the gifts that we don't have instead of living into the gifts that we do have. Paul says, you're also not allowed to shame others for having a gift that they don't have. I'm not allowed to shame our church for not having more people with the gift of service. I'm not allowed to shame people. Our hospitality team isn't allowed to be mad at everybody else in the church because they're not coming and helping be hospitable. That's not how it works. Instead, what we do is we honor one another. This is the honor culture stuff that we talked about. Every gift is worthy of honor. The gifts of service and the gifts of mercy, the gifts of shepherding, the gift of teaching, the gift of preaching, the gift of leadership, the gift of administration, all of these gifts, all of these gifts are so valuable. Which is why Paul then goes on to say in verse 18, I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown out of proportion. Notice what he says in verse 14. There's a tension. I want you to think about how this makes you more significant But then Paul says, but not too significant, because he says, I want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. See, it gives me significance because I recognize I have a unique place to play in the body, but it also stops me from having too much significance and too much self-importance when I realize, oh, I am just one part of the body. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, Paul says. It would be a monster. Do you think of those 1940s like sci-fi movies? I can see one, like The Hand, right? Or like The Eye, it's always watching, right? And there's like some woman like, no, The Eye, make it stop, right? He says, a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine I telling hand, get lost, I don't need you, or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. Now, this is super interesting. Watch this. The lower part, quote-unquote, the more basic and therefore necessary You can live without an eye, for instance, but you can't live without a stomach. Paul says that the parts of us that we cannot see are worthy of more honor than the parts that we can't see. He actually goes on at the end of this and he says, um, 
if you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? Okay, let's take a poll. Full-bodied hair, good digestion. How many people are in for full-bodied hair? Oh, great, okay. <laughs> people are like, there, there's Tums for the bad digestion, right? You know, what, what is the most important in my body? I mean, there's a part of me that wants to say it's my mouth because that's what I eat from. But I'll tell you what, all that needs to go somewhere. So it might be another part of me that might be most important. You know what I'm saying? It's the parts that we can't see that are most valuable. Here's the best example of this. There's like four people in our church that make coffee for Sunday morning. 80% of us think that is the most important gift present. <laughs> right? Right? Um, uh, there's a handful of people that after we give the money, count it on a Sunday morning. It doesn't matter how much money we bring in if it's not counted. I like it when it's counted because that means I can get paid. You know what I mean? And, um, and everybody turn around and look at Dan. There's Dan. Dan runs the booth. Keep, I would like everybody to stand up. I'd like everybody to stand up. I'd like everybody to turn around and look at Dan because usually what you do is only look at Dan when something's wrong. So I would like you to give Dan a round of applause, okay? Very good, there you go, there you go. Good job, okay, go ahead and have a seat. Uh, because here's the deal, I can preach as much as I want and we can strum the guitar as much as you want, but if we don't have sound, we might as well not even do this. It is the parts of the body that are unseen that are most valuable. Make sure I'm saying everything here. So here's what I want you to think about today. In this unity and this diversity, all of these gifts working together, what does that mean? How do we do it? Here's a couple of questions. First, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? And this is, I think I'll get into this in a second. Yes, okay. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Do you know what you uniquely bring to our spiritual family? If you don't know, go home, Google spiritual gifts test. Take one. Here's, here's the caveat to that. You can't come back to me and say, well, I have the gift of, so here we go. Gifts are affirmed and confirmed by our community. Church we served in Illinois, uh, there was someone there, bless her heart, who just insisted she had the gift of teaching. Just insisted. So we were gracious and we gave her some opportunities to do that and like, whew, not a good teacher. <laughs> And so we had to lovingly and directly have some great conversations about let's really figure out what your spiritual gifts are, okay? But do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Second, are you using your spiritual gifts? Hide it under a bushel? No. The reality is in churches, it doesn't matter how old, we develop a duty culture instead of a call culture where I have to do this or no one else will. And duty culture, when we take on a duty instead of respond to a call, first of all, that's why we burn out, okay? Because it has to be done, right? Second of all, when we have a duty culture where we have to do this to keep the machine going, that is a club, that is not kingdom. So I don't want you hearing this, oh, I've got to like do my homework and do my chores. No, I'm trying to help you create a space here where we can name what we are called to do and gifted in and then bring that to the body for our health. Our body is only as strong as the gifts used to build it up. And if you are not using your gifts among us, we are weaker. 
we are weaker. If you're not using your gifts in your circle, if you're not using your gifts um, as you're at work and in your family, if you're not using your gifts here, we are weaker. If we don't have your gifts working with us, it's like tying my arms behind my back and asking me to build a shed, which truth be told, I couldn't build a shed if my arms were untied. (laughs) But the point remains. Um, and, And I would add that a body isn't a body for an hour a week. Do you remember Power Rangers? It's on 24-7 in Mike and Jenna's house right now. Um, So the Power Rangers have these vehicles called Zords, okay? And when they get into trouble, they call the Zords together and they form the Megazord, okay? The Power Rangers would have a hard time with Rita Repulsa if the Triceratops Ranger just decided to peace out or only be available to the rest of the Power Rangers an hour a week. The mission couldn't be accomplished. I want to lovingly challenge you and say that is how some of you are behaving toward toward your spiritual family. I will be part of the body an hour a week and what you are is this amputated zombie hand that crawls into the door and attaches itself to the body and goes, ooh, that blood, ooh, that oxygen, ooh, ooh, and then service ends, and if it you know, ends after 12, 15, you're annoyed. So you pop because there's things to do. So pop it off, crawl back out, and do your thing. A body is a body all the time or none of the time. And I will just lovingly add that in the name of invitation, we're just saying, in addition to an hour on Sunday mornings, can we have a couple hours for nine weeks on a weeknight? Finally, I'm so glad I came to church today. (laughs) Finally, we do not shame one another. That is not my intention, is not to shame you, but to call you. I hope I'm doing that. We do not shame one another. We pray about the gifts. Um, Tony, who was here with us last weekend, pointed out, that in the original language of First Corinthians, there's this idea of the gifts made manifest. That manifest means the dancing hand of the Spirit of God over our community. Distributing the gifts that we need at the time that we need it. And when, I will be unapologetic about this, Regen exists to reach 20 and 30-somethings who are far from Jesus and burnt out on religion. We seem to reach more people than that. And when someone who already follows Jesus and is a disciple comes to our church, I immediately assume that they have a spiritual gift that the dancing hand of God has decided to distribute to our community. That's what I immediately assume. In the words of Aaron Jesse, God is assembling an army, right? We don't get mad that there's not more people on hospitality team, and I'm saying this because, like, our hospitality team was a little sweaty when I got here because things were a little freaky and out of order. So thank you for all you did. We don't get mad that more people aren't doing. We pray that the dancing hand of the Spirit of God would distribute more gifts of service. Okay? When, when Julia is thinking, I would really like to take more than like maybe one Sunday off a year, we don't get mad. We pray that the dancing hand of, Spirit, the, dancing hand of the Spirit of God would distribute over our community the gifts that we need. Right? When I'm putting together this preaching cohort, I'm praying that the dancing hand of the Spirit of God would give our community more teachers. I think it is unhealthy for me to do 85% of the preaching. And I would love to wave a magic wand and do 60%. 
the beauty of this is uh, how Jesus says, not by might, not by might, or Romans, somewhere, the Bible says, the Bible says, not by might, but by my spirit, not by announcements in the reconnect, not by announcements on the stage, not by somebody standing in the back, not by planning center, not by Alvanto, not by tweets and texts and Facebook posts, but by my spirit will we accomplish this. But hear me out on this, hear me out on this. This idea, this idea that everyone is given something to do to help me see God. Some of you have been given something to do. Some of you are hearing God's call and you're doing the no, 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 Please don't keep that to yourself. I don't care if life means you're here every other week or every third week and I've got soccer and I've got this. All I'm saying is that when you're here, show me who God is through you. Let's pray. And Aaron will lead his last response time. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would dance over our community, that you would hover over it, and that even now you would be distributing the gifts that uh, you uh, have given our community. I am quite sure that our need is not for more people, but for more people participating in the body, that our need, that every need that we have is already in the, can be met by what is in the room for this season. And so, God, if I have shamed and dishonored, my prayer is that you um, would remove that. And instead, Lord, I pray that you would call, that you would call people to use their gifts, that you would help them know what it is, that you would give them an ability to respond and delight to the use of those gifts. God, I speak honor over the gift of hospitality here, the gift of service. I speak honor over the gift of mercy. I speak honor over the gift of teaching. I speak honor over the gift of preaching and leadership. I speak honor over the gift of prophecy and healing. I speak honor over every gift of wisdom and administration. Um, Lord, I speak honor over who you've made each person to be and invite you to call them out of hiding so that they can bless me and bless us with their gifts. Thank you, Jesus, that you decide to partner with us and move through us. That's crazy, but thank you. Amen.